a weapon that conquers all anxiety Let it rise, let praise arise We sing your name in the dark and it changes everything We sing with all we are and we claim your victory
song I'm ready to see the unthinkable I'm ready for a miracle Hearts praying for a fresh encounter Souls looking to the living God I'm ready for a real revival
rest on us, come rest on us, as the Spirit was moving over the water, the Spirit come move over us, come rest on us, come rest on us,
God, we thank you for your presence in this place today. We thank you for your spirit that has filled, filled the room. And we thank you for the willingness to praise you that has brought you here and that we can feel you, Lord. God, I pray that you be with the rest of the service and that you just continue to move through this space as you want to. Don't let anyone get in the way of what you have for any person here, Lord. God, I just thank you for this place and this time that we have together. Amen. Good morning. If you guys notice, I'm not Rick. I mean, might be a little bit prettier than Rick, but he might disagree with that. But um, Rick and his family went on vacation this week and he asked me to fill in today. Uh, Rick's actually, he's right here. He's not gone, but he asked me to fill in this Sunday. I've been happy to. Um, if you guys don't know who I am, I'm Jake Caps. I'm the youth pastor here at Orchardville Church. And it is a privilege to be a youth pastor at this church. And um, I don't know about you guys, but worship got me all filled the fills today. So um, it's really funny how God works because I didn't tell Carl what my sermon was. But I didn't go, hey, we need to do these four songs. But they all connect. And that's how, how God works. But so I'm going to explain something really quick. Um, during last year's church camp, I had the opportunity to meet a young man. His name was Hayes. And um, Hayes was like, hey, man, I have a dyslexic pastor, too. And I was like, wow, I thought I was like a unicorn. I thought I was like the only one out there that, but to me, that just showed that God, we serve an awesome God that's willing to use two dyslexic men to preach the word of God. <laughs> and um, so I had the opportunity to talk to this pastor, and I was like, man, what do you do when you have long chunks of scripture to read? He goes, I don't. <laughs> I don't. And he goes, that's why God puts awesome women in our lives to uh, do ministry with. So when it gets time to do the scripture, just to let you guys know, my wife Hannah will be reading it. So don't be like, where's the random, Jake's voice sounds like a lady. So it's, uh, it's Hannah speaking. So... Uh, my sermon today is called, Who Are You? I often say this to my youth um, when we're in worship or we're reading the Word of God is trying to put ourselves into the song. Because like when we're singing the songs that we sung today, when we're saying, Holy Spirit, come on us, are we actually meaning that? Are we actually going, Holy Spirit, come in this room, come upon me? Are we just sitting here saying words? Because a lot of us, Sundays, we just kind of go through the motions and the song comes up and we're like, we got to say these words. But way too often, we ignore the significance because when we speak, there's power. And if we truly mean Holy Spirit, come on us, we start to see something different. And like I tell my youth when we read scripture, and if we try to put ourselves into the scripture, how does this affect me? We start to be more open to things. So when we do this, it opens up a whole different connection with God. But way too often, what do we say? 
well, this song doesn't connect with me. This, this scripture, it doesn't mean anything to me. Right? Anybody? Am I the only one? Cool. Um, because a lot of us will read this passage and we go, like, I make a lot of jokes about reading Leviticus. And um, we read Leviticus and we go, this means nothing to me. Nothing at all. But if we really dive into the scripture and try to put ourselves into it, it opens up a whole new thing. But the problem is, we have to be willing to be vulnerable enough for God's word to affect us. Because way too often we want to be close to what the word is trying to tell us because we have to open ourselves up. And a lot of us are too scared to be willing to open ourselves to what God wants for us and what God is trying to tell us. For me, there's a big example of this for me. This is me personally. So when, uh, I'm not trying to embarrass her, I've already said I was going to say this, but when Audrey Sharp sings the song, I witnessed it. I might say everyone up here sings, does a fantastic job, but for, for me, that song affects me because when she sings it, I can tell she's putting her heart and her soul into the words. I can tell when she says it, she means every word that is coming out of her mouth. It's for her, it's not just a routine. When, she's, when she gets up here and she goes, I'm going to sing this song, I'm going to make sure I'm putting myself into the words. So there's this saying in psychology, um, a lot of Christian psychologists use this, it's called a bibliodrama. Has anyone heard of this? I never have. But luckily my wife is uh, getting her master's in psychology and um, she brought this up to me and I was like, this is so interesting. The point of the bibliodrama for Christian psychologists, what they do is they give someone a passage, they give someone a scripture, and they go, pick a word, pick a scene, pick something within this passage, and put yourself in it. And sometimes it's just a single word, sometimes it's a phrase, but how does this connect to your life? So we're going to take this passage here that we're about to read, and we're going to see, we're going to, after we're done reading it, we're going to break down some of these elements. I know it's a big chunk, by the way, I'm sorry, but we have to get all the way through it for this all to make sense. Um, but when we, we're going to break down some of these elements, we're going to try to connect them to our lives. So please, if you can, please stand for the reading of the word. We're going to be in um, Ezekiel 34. The dyslexia, uh, 37, 1 through 14. It says, The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. 
So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, We have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore, prophesy to them and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says. O oh, my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, O oh, my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. So I'm guessing most people here have heard this passage. You may be seated. Sorry. Sorry. I'm new to that one. I'm glad I looked at Rick. He's like, oh, you But uh, uh, I'm guessing most people here have heard that passage. That passage has captured the imagination and the thoughts of many Christians. Um, because I can name... I don't know, a dozen songs that are based on this or stories. I've heard a hundred sermons. Like it's one of those things that really get us thinking because I know so many people who go, the Old Testament is boring, but I know this one. This one's pretty wild. I dig it. You know, it, it's like, because there's so much to it. And the reason why I picked this particular passage is because there's so many elements in it. There's so many things that we could connect ourselves with but most of us just think it's this weird story. But if you ever read the entire book of Ezekiel, it is very powerful and very, very... I know it's all these visions, but God is speaking in a way that it's just very, very powerful. So I do suggest, if you've never read the whole book, go home and read it. You will get a bunch out of it. But one of the reasons why we get so much out of this passage is because... It's so visceral. It's so real. It's even like when you're reading through it, there's something about it that just pops out because it has this reality to it. It seems so real because it symbolizes the, spirit, the spiritual state of separation of Israel. Because their separation from God resulted in exile and the physical death of many people. And it's also the metaphorical death of their covenant relationship with God. But, by the end of this passage, we see that there's a hope for God to remake his people to love God and love others. That's the best thing about it, is you see this death, this valley of bones, there's nothing there, and then by the end of it, you see a resurrection of a people, kind of like most of us every day. 
There's some days we wake up and we feel like there's nothing. And we just go, God, please knit me back together if I can make it one more day. And that's the, the beauty of this passage. So my question is, are we willing to remake ourselves? Are we willing to be vulnerable enough to connect ourselves to God's word and to his scripture? So I'm gonna separate some of these elements that is mentioned within this passage. And we're gonna see if we can break this down a little bit. So in verse nine, it talks about the wind. Who here works outside? Anybody? You got any carpenters, construction workers? Who likes working on a very, very windy day? Probably not many, because I remember seeing my stepdad come home uh, from working. He used to go out of town a lot to do construction. He would come back and he was red. Like, and his skin would be peeling. I'm like, what did you do? And he goes, it's windburn. From being out in the wind for days, the wind would physically burn his skin. Why is that? Because wind is all-encompassing. You cannot get away from wind. If you go outside and it's windy, you cannot hide from it. An umbrella isn't going to keep you from it. No, you can't avoid it. But a lot of people here are like the wind in a good way. Um, they're encouraging, they're loving, they're caring. They're those people that come into a room and they just breathe life into the room. I can name many people right now in this room who have that ability. They just can come into a room or come into your office or whatever and they just breathe life. They have this ability to love people that is truly a gift from God. It's almost unnatural, their ability to love others. But I've also noticed this. If you're one of these people that have this ability to speak into people, you're so consumed with speaking into people, you forget to fill yourselves back up. There's too many people out there that are just so good at building people up but we all forget to build them back up. It is way too often they're so worried about making sure everyone else sees who God is and they just, they get drained. So that is our job, if you know those people, to be building them back up. It's important. Because if you're one of those people that just speak love and care and compassion into people's lives, you need that too. Amen. It's not just about you building other people up. We need to be there alongside them to hold them up. In verse 8, it talks about the muscles and the flesh. I know a this one was kind of hard for me to write down because I kind of consider myself a part of this one. Um, if you consider yourself the muscle, you're the strong one. You're the one that holds everything together. In your family, you're the one that ties every piece together or you feel that way. 
You feel if you step away from it just for a second, everything's going to fall apart. Because you feel like if you're not there at every single moment, if you're not in every little thing, if you just step away for a second, everything was going to fall to pieces. You're probably less likely to show your feelings because you always feel like you have to be strong and you don't want to be vulnerable in front of others. But you have to remember you're also surrounded by your own flesh. Flesh is sensitive and it's easily torn. Our flesh is vulnerable to the surroundings, the elements, and the spiritual. But to the strong ones out there, the ones that do feel like if you weren't there, everything's going to fall apart, it is okay to rely on others. It's okay to rely on God. It's okay to find someone and be like, I need help. It's okay to do this. Because a lot of times we feel like we have to take everything and hold it tight and not be able to give. Sometimes we have to be willing to go, okay, I'm done. I just need help in this. Because a lot of times when we feel like we're the ones holding everything together, we forget, truthfully, God is the one holding everything together. We're so worried about what's going on in our lives, we forget to go, oh wait, God's there. Because we're just so worried about our families, our friends, our jobs, the people around us. And we feel like we're the ones that constantly have to hold the world on our shoulders, but sometimes it's okay to put it down. In verses one, two, and seven, it talks about the valley. And in Psalms, most people here have heard this, in Psalms 23, 4, it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. All of us walk through a valley in our lives, every one of us. If we haven't yet, you probably will. <laughs> But we can look at the valley of our, in our lives, we can look at it in a way where it's just pain and sorrow and everything negative about it. Or we can also look at it as a place of growth. I had a conversation with a man here at this church and um, he was telling me some stories about what happened in his past and he was embarrassed about these things that happened in his past. And I said, why are you embarrassed? 
You have no reason to be embarrassed. Look where you're at now. You're just living proof that God is here. Because you have told me your past. You shouldn't be here. But you're just living proof that God took you out of that valley and put you where you need to be. So don't be embarrassed by that. Let people know what God has done for you in your life. Because way too often we get embarrassed about our past and the things, our valley moments, but sometimes those valley moments are the most pivotal parts of our lives. They were for me. The lowest I have ever been in my life is what made me the man I am now. If it wasn't for those low moments, I would not be standing right here. Because God showed up in those moments. Because it would be really convenient if there was a highway from mountaintop to mountaintop, wouldn't it? If we could just hop to mountaintop to mountaintop, but there's a reason why flowers don't grow on mountaintops. The flowers only grow in the valleys. There's a reason for this. Because if we were able to just hop and hop, because sometimes... For true spiritual growth, sometimes we have to get down in the valley and get a little dirty. For we can realize our need for God. Because without those valley moments, if we just had a constant high, spiritual high all the time, well, how are we supposed to realize our need for God? I know way too many people have been in my life where it seemed like everything was going right for them. They seemed like they were always on like this spiritual high, but for some reason when they crashed, they crashed hard and never come back. Because they never experienced what it's like to be down here and to let God pick them back up. I know in most of our lives, we have had those valley moments, but just remember that it's part of your story. Our stories as Christians are very, very important. Our witness is very important. So don't look at your past as a negative, look at it as a positive because it is just a story that you can use to bring other people into the kingdom of God. Because I guarantee you, whatever you've been through in your life, someone else has also. Like I just said earlier, I thought I was the only dyslexic pastor in the world. And then come to find out there's one less than an hour from here who's been preaching for 16 years. You're not the only one. So allow people to hear your story, to hear the low moments, to let them know they're not the only one in those situations. And in this passage, it talks about the dry bones. It's very significant when it talks about dry bones. This isn't like someone just dumped a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken bones on the ground where they're like all wet and gross looking. These bones are dry all the way to the point where the marrow inside the bones is gone. They're dry. There is nothing left but a hollow shell. That's what the dry bones means. It's not just bones on the ground. There's literally zero life in these bones. Nothing is left. 
Sorry, I skipped past the page. I was like, something is not right here. I am really sorry. I skipped forward there. I was like, this isn't where I want to be. Okay. Um, I know a lot of people here feel completely dried out. They feel like there's nothing left. They feel like God has nothing left for them. But I want everyone to look up here at this slide here. I don't know if you can notice it, but it's a bunch of threads. It's a bunch of colorful threads that all intertwine with each other. That's our life. We feel like we're completely dried out. We feel like God has nothing left for us, but But if we look at our lives, truly look at our lives, look back on all the moments, most of us will see God in moments in our lives because a lot of times when we feel so burnt out, we feel like we have nothing left, we forget to go, oh wait, God did that for me last week. Or we, remember when God did that five years ago? Got me out of that situation? But the problem is we start to burn ourselves out. But we forget to look at everything God has done for us. Because I guarantee you, if we look back on what God has done for us, there is not enough threads up there for all of our lives. There's hundreds of threads there. And I can look back on just last week what God has done for me. But most of us ignore that because we feel so burnt out. But the thing is, when we feel, when we realize everything God has done for us, we need to remember he's still right beside us. It's way too often when we feel, when we're at our lowest moments, which we all get to that point, unless you're a superhero or something. Um, but we all get to these moments where we feel like we just have nothing left to give. But we just have to remember, God is right here with us. I don't know why God's this tall. <laughs> He's right here with us the whole time. We just have to be willing to turn around and go, God, help me. But way too often, we're so focused on all of our stuff in our lives, we forget to go, God, I'm here. I know you're right here, but I'm just going to ignore you because I'm too worried about what's going on in my life. Is it said in, um, at the end of the passage there, there's in Ezekiel um, 37, 14, it says, um, at the end there, it says, I will put my spirit in you and I will, and you will live again. So if you do feel one of these things where you feel like you have nothing left, Try to put your focus back on God. Because trust me, I work at a church. I see even us who are here every day, we get burnt out. But the thing is, we realize, and all of us realize that when we feel that way, we need to go to one of the people we work with and speak to them and be like, I need some help. We need to sit down in prayer and be like, God, Help me get through the next week. Hold me up. 
Or in my position as a youth pastor, I have all these great kids who are building me up every single day. We just have to remember that God is always there. But the thing is, when we do get super burnt out, a lot of us use Sundays as the filling station. A lot of us use Sundays as the time where we come in here on fumes and we get filled back up and we're like, I hope I can make it one more week. You should come in here already filled up with your prayer and your studying and just connecting with God. This is not the only time we connect with God. It needs to be a daily thing. Could I have the worship team come back up, please? But there's a whole other type of being burnt out. A kind that you might not have realized was there until today. The kind of burnout where you don't speak life into other people. The kind of where you the kind of burnout where you're not willing to hold other people up. The kind of burnout where you feel like you're completely stuck in the valley. But there is a way out. It's Jesus. And if you do not know him, today is the day. There's no reason to be keep holding back. Today is the day for you to meet Jesus. And I promise you, it will change your life. It has changed my life, it has changed my wife's life, it has changed my entire family's life. Just to have the opportunity to meet Jesus for the first time. And if you have anything else going on in your life that you want to give to God today, these altars are open. We need to stop trying to hold everything in. We need to stop going, it's okay to be in the valley because I'm not willing to crawl back out. It's not okay to feel like you have nothing left and God doesn't have anything to do. God doesn't have anything left for you because that's not true. God has something for everyone here. But the thing is you just have to be willing to be vulnerable. You have to be willing to allow God to speak to you through the scriptures, through prayer, through other people. You just have to be willing to be open to those things and not be closed off. Lord, I just pray today that your spirit is in this room. Lord, I pray that if anyone has anything going on in their lives, that will just bring it up here to you and leave it here, Lord. It's way too often we come down to this altar to pray for something and we're, we just don't want to hand it off. Because we've gotten so used to this, these things in our lives, we feel like if they're gone, we wouldn't even be who we are anymore. The pain, the sorrow, 
the addictions, the anxieties. We just want to hold on to them because they've become a part of who we are. And Lord, I pray today, if, no, if there's someone in this room that does not know who you are, that will change today. It's way too often. People say, it can wait till next week. It can wait till the next day. You might not have a next day. You might not have a next week. I pray that you just lay your spirit on those people's hearts today. And just have a renewing of our spirits today. For when we leave here, no one is burnt out. No one is in a valley. I pray that when we leave this place today, we are filled up and we're willing to fill other people with your spirit as we leave. In Jesus' name I pray.
praise you. We worship you for who you are in this place. And God, I appreciate the word that you poured into Jake this morning, God. And Lord, I know, I know, I know there are people in here, Father, that are in valleys right now. And for whatever reason, God, they're ignoring what you're putting on their heart right now. So Father, I lift them up to you. Father, I just ask that their pride will be pushed to the side. Lord, that they would let you in. Lord, that they would understand that there are those moments. There are those moments in life that hurt, that we struggle in God, and we have to fully rely on you as believers. We've got to give it to you, God. We can't do things on our own. Lord, I pray they grabbed hold of that truth this morning. They understand who they are. Whatever situation they're in, as Jake was talking about, they understand who they are in that moment and they have to fully rely on you in the midst of it. We just praise you. We bless you this morning. We thank you for who you are and what you've done in our lives. We just ask you to be with every single person in here, God. Be with their families. Lord, continue to show them the way. As they follow you, we praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.